It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Zeno here coming up on A to Z. It's Desmond Ritter's debut. A goodbye to Dansby and the Hawks actually looked like a basketball team. That's next on A to Z. This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts. Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's exactly what I expected. Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday. Appreciate you guys joining me. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish friends out there. As you guys start to celebrate your eight crazy nights, and we are ever closer to Christmas. So welcome in, everybody. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, Matt Marczino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Of course, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel and check us out on Roku TV. However you get your Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick, download that Roku TV app. You'll check out A to Z and the rest of Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day. All right, we start, obviously, with uh, the Falcons and Desmond Ritter uh, in his much-anticipated debut. Obviously, the Falcons lose the game 21-18. to They were in a 14-0 hole very early, never able to really get out of it. Um, And we're all focusing on Desmond Ritter. And I've already started to see a wide variety of reactions to the game and to today. Effectively, as I told you last week, this was a playoff game. The Falcons just got eliminated from making the playoffs. They're they're not leapfrogging three teams with a one-and-four division record. Like, it's just not happening. So that's done, right? Their best chance was to win this game uh, and end up being six and eight, just like Tampa Bay. But nope, it's not going to happen. You lost the head-to-head with the Saints. You're going to lose the head-to-head with the, with the Panthers based off of the tiebreaker. And you would need to beat the Buccaneers, and you still wouldn't have as good a division record as they do. So you, you lose every single tiebreaker. You, you've got to make up uh, – you need the, the other three teams to lose twice, and you have to win three out of the next three, essentially, to get there. So anyway, that's done. But let's focus on Desmond Ritter. Um, because – while I hate to say I told you so, I kind of enjoy saying I told you so. This is exactly what I told you was going to happen from a game script standpoint. 39 rushes, 26 passes. They were going to run even more. They were going to limit his chances for uh, mistakes. They were going to sort of protect him. Arthur Smith is very smart with that. 13 of 26, that's a 50% completion percentage for a grand total of 97 yards and a 59 quarterback rating. Didn't turn the ball over. That was good. Didn't throw a touchdown. Eh, happens. Tyler Algier had his best day as a pro. Uh, that's nice to know. Also, Drake London and Desmond Ritter seem to have a pretty good connection because those 97 yards that he threw, 70 of them went to Desmond Ritter on seven receptions. So now you're starting to see Ritter, Algier, London all come together like this is okay. I get it. All those things. Now, Desmond didn't look overwhelmed, but he didn't look like he was going to excel. Um, you know, I remember bringing this up several weeks ago that the knock on Desmond Ritter coming out of college, a big knock on him was his accuracy. I was shocked to see Arthur Smith take two shots deep, uh, particularly again on his first throw. I get it. I, I try to catch a defense napping, not thinking it's going to happen. Maybe they'll stuff eight in the box, whatever you get one-on-one coverage. He did get one-on-one coverage on the first one. Didn't go his way. I still would have went the more traditional route and got some early dump-offs, get some completions going early, get him feeling like, okay, 
now that I got the jitters out of the way on the easy stuff, that's not the route he went. I don't think Desmond Ritter was spectacular. I don't think Desmond Ritter was awful. I think he was exactly what we said that he was. And what I told you guys as to why Desmond Ritter wasn't starting earlier was simply this. The ceiling he has right now is exactly as high as Marcus Mariota's. The problem is the floor is lower. You saw the floor being lower. It's hard. There's a lot going on. You know, especially when you got into a 14-0 hole. Uh, and that's not Desmond Ritter's fault by any stretch of the imagination, but it just changes the constructs of the game for yourself. So, yeah, um, this is very much a situation where um, we'll have to look at this game and then look at the next game and look at the next game. Like, again, I know that there is this semblance. It's, it's bothersome to me that this is like a tryout. The next four games, next three games, and this one are going to be a tryout as to whether he's the guy. If we are staking our entire draft strategy on these four games, I, I, that's just a really, really big gamble. I can't say it's 100% flawed. I'm just saying it's a big gamble. It's really, really a big gamble. Arthur Smith will tell you privately, and we'll talk to him this week. Um, but Arthur Smith will tell you privately that he was happy uh, with the way that he played, that he, you know, he thought he did some things. I, I guarantee you he'll look more uh, and focus on some of the execution that he had, some of the throws, some of the decisions. That's where the hyper-focus will be for him as a coach on um, Desmond Ritter and his performance. So I, I think all that is something we can evaluate as we go forward. But again, I, I, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't unimpressed. I was just very neutral on the performance. And you didn't really get a chance to see a lot. Um, do you want to talk about that final drive where he made a nice throw to Drake London that London actually ultimately fumbled the ball away? Yeah. Did Ritter do some good things? Yeah. Did he do some not so good things? Yeah. A couple of throws I thought he just flat out missed. Now, again, is that a product of his inexperience? Is that a product of his talent level? Hard to say at this point in time. I'd probably, I mean, obviously I'd defer to Arthur Smith on that to make sure that he's the one who, um, you know, has his eyes on the whole thing. So, yeah. But still, you know, this is very much a scenario where I'm not going to take, and like I said, don't take what you saw today, and if he does better next week, go, oh, he's improving. No. You, you, you can't connect these things. And, and the reason you can't connect them is simply because you'll force yourself into looking at a trajectory that might not be there. Again, I'll go back to this. I, I keep having to say this, the Baker Mayfields, the Josh Allens, and even more recently, the Justin Fields. Justin Fields in his first four games looked completely overwhelmed and did not look like he was ready to be an NFL quarterback. Things have changed. I don't want to sit there and evaluate Anything I see from a, a continuation standpoint, take each individual game, evaluate them as they are, and then try to put all those pieces together and go, this is what we got and this is what we don't got. I mean, clearly there should be progress across the board. Like that much we understand. You should be getting, things should be getting easier. They always do theoretically. So, uh, if, if he struggles again next game, and, and here's what I don't want. 
I, I don't want to start the built-in excuses. Oh, well, he's got no pass protection. Oh, well, you know, the roster's bad. Oh, well, receivers can't create separation. Like, here's the thing. There's a lot more built-in excuses for why he didn't do well than there is for reasons that he did, right? Like, him doing well is overt. Like, it, it, you'll see it very easily. It comes right to the forefront. There's absolutely no reason to believe that you're not going to understand when he's playing well. However, comma, you have to look a little bit deeper and try to find where the flaws are that are things that he can correct. Like, I don't care who the receiver is. Like, I don't care who the offensive line is. There are certain plays yesterday I saw, I go, that's an NFL, that's a play an NFL quarterback should, should make. And you have to try to find those and see if you can figure out what those look like. Because if you can figure out what those look like, then you'll have a much easier time figuring out whether he can handle the situation that he's in. So, again, um, I don't want to be part of the built-in excuses about the O-line, why receivers not getting separated, this, that, and the other. I mean, it's, you know, there are a dozen teams around the league right now who are doing the same thing. The Giants keep Daniel Jones. They have no skill position players. Do the the commanders stay with Taylor Heineke? Um, You know, do the Panthers stick with Sam Darnold? Like, are the Seahawks sticking with Geno Smith? There, There are teams dealing with this exact same question across the board. The Falcons are not alone in this scenario. So these are very important decisions, and we have one small piece of information on Desmond Ritter. See if that's going to be enough. All right, we will get to uh, saying goodbye to Dansby here in a minute. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including the NFL, college football, bowl season, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. As I clear my throat, as I said, let me clear my throat. Okay. Dansby. Dansby, Dansby, Dansby. Um... I guess this weekend was the right time. Seven years, $177 million to the Chicago Cubs. Um, Braves fans, y'all are curious bunch, man. And I got all Southern on your side. Y'all are curious bunch. You are. Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I didn't even get involved in Braves Twitter when it happened. I just said, you know what? I'm going to let this one go. Um, look, this is the second year in a row now you've let, a major piece of a championship team walk away to a, let's just call it bigger market for money that was fair market value at the time of the signing. And uh, you've lost not only a great player, but also a critical clubhouse piece. Now, Alex Anthopoulos is the best GM in the game at this point. Like, I I don't think that's debatable. So I'm not really worried about how he's going to replace Dansby and what he's going to do. I think they'll be fine. And I think that there's enough production up and down this lineup that they're going to be fine from that standpoint. It's fair at this point, though, to philosophically question the Braves as an organization and what they do. Here's the problem. Here is the problem right now. And particularly for Ronald Acuna. Because, you know, Ronald Acuna uh, 
his contract, there's an opt-out in it, right? He has the ability to opt out of that thing. And, and, and in short, well, I'm sorry, there, you didn't know he doesn't. There are club options in 26 and 27, or 27 and 28, rather. I thought there was an opt-out. Anyway, my point simply is, is this. Um, the Braves don't look like they take care of their own. Now, I know you say, you, you, you would say that's the contrary, given what they did to Spencer Strider and Michael Harris and Austin Riley. Yes, but those were not fair market value deals. They weren't. They just weren't. They were below market value. Now, that's good for the Braves, good for Alex Anthopoulos. And players signs a deal, good for them. But when a lot of those guys, when Ronald Acuna is still only, oh, I don't know, 28 years old and heading into a year where he's going to, you know, be eligible to walk away or the clubs, you know, at, at this point, you would believe the Braves would sign those two club options at a small, measly $17 million. That said, when he hits 30 and he's going to be a free agent, you think the Braves are going to be the team that's going to bring him back? If he wins an MVP in there and they win another World Series, you think the Braves are bringing him back? No. Philosophically, where are the Braves? I, I don't know. It, it, it is alarming that they allowed two cornerstone pieces that um, they developed and grew from the minors on uh, and, and let them walk away. I wish that we would have had some better clarity on, you know, what really was the number? We know what the Braves offered Dansby, about a $100 million deal during the season, and he turned it down. I love players who bet on themselves. Good for Aaron Judge. Good for Dansby. And let's be clear about one thing. Dansby didn't choose money over championships. That's not what he did at all. Dansby took the best offer available to him. You can frame it any other way you want. Took the best offer available to him. I'm sure if the Braves had that same offer, he's back in Atlanta. The Braves didn't have that same offer. The Braves did not put $177 million on the table for him. They just didn't. They flat out didn't. If they did, he'd be here. It just is what it is. I don't know that you can look at it any other way. Now, you can't get mad at the Braves. You know, they've spent money. They've absolutely spent money. But, you know, they're not paying anybody over $21 million um, and, and the crazy part, they gave Charlie Morton $20 million. That's the nuts part. I mean, Austin Riley is going to get $22 million for the next, oh, I don't know, eight years, nine years, whatever it is. Philosophically, it's hard for me to feel like if you are a Braves player who's not under contract. So, like, if you are right now, if you're Max Freed, <laughs> do you think the Braves are re-signing you? Nope. Sorry. Max Fried is going to be in a new uniform. When he is done with arbitration and he hits free agency, which is two more years here, 23 and 24, Max Fried will be in a different uniform in 2025. Write it down now. I'll, I'll put it on Twitter. You can, old takes exposed me. This guy's going to be a different uniform. Same thing for uh, Kyle Wright. If he keeps trending in the direction that he is, okay, and he's not even in his arbitration years, he's got a long way to go. Um, but he'll be here through 26. If he's as good and he continues to be as good as he is, guess what? 
and get a beer. Brands have just told you that's what they do. When you outpace their projection for what you're worth, they let you walk. Now, you could argue that some of that is really good discipline. You could argue that. I think, I think there's an argument for that. But there's also an argument for you should keep your own homegrown talent. Because that's how you win. That's how you win. That's how dynasties are formed. Go look at the Yankees of the late 90s, the core four. Jeter Rivera, Pettit, Posada, Bernie Williams, all those guys, homegrown. They built that team from the ground up, kept them all, re-signed them all, and kept them there as long as they could. That's that's how you build dynasties. You got to keep those guys. You can't keep running people like a revolving door in and out. Can't build a dynasty that way. Sure, your window for winning a championship will be open. Look at the Dodgers. They restock and reload every single year. They've gotten one championship out of it. Why? Because it's hard to throw people in a room continually, um, different names, different faces, different personalities, and expect everything to click at the right time. Really tough to do. And that's kind of why, you know, uh, things are where they are. And, and again, with this core group that the Braves have right here, if they can retain it, sure, they're going to be a championship caliber level ball club. What's that going to convert to? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. So we'll see. You know, the Falcons took a tough loss yesterday. Desmond Ritter made his first start. I hope you guys checked out Locked On Falcons right after that game because Aaron Freeman does such a great job. Make that your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Uh, I want to get the Atlanta Hawks and some more NFL stuff. But uh, now, as always, it's time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it every day. We have to uh, reward somebody for saying or doing something stupid. You could do so on my Twitter account at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to David Shield. I don't even know if I said his name right. He tweets at Deacon underscore Shield, Shile, S-C-H-I-E-L-E. And apparently he works at WTSP because that's what it says. I don't know what WTSP is. I don't know where it is. But he says he's an award-winning sports MSJ, something multi-sport journalist at 10 Tampa Bay. I guess it's down in Tampa. Duh. Uh, he's an alumnus of Georgia State. Uh, and yeah, so you can email him because uh, it's in his Twitter account. I'm not going to email him to tell me stupid. I'm just going to tell you why he's stupid. He tweeted out yesterday uh, at 4.30 p.m. Arthur Smith is Falcons head coach. First head coach to lose ATL debut since Petrino. First. ATL coach 
to get shut out at home since 1988. First back-to-back losing seasons to start ATL tenure since 87-88. This seat should be hot, in my opinion. Dude, what? Really? Tell me you haven't watched a Falcons game all year long without telling me you haven't watched a Falcons game. I mean, really, I, I, I don't understand how he could even say that. We have constantly remarked about how Arthur Smith has made chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, with this team. And it really is just you know, one of those things where you're not, no, you don't know what you're looking at. You really don't. This is a subpar roster. And uh, this is a team that is devoid of talent. And they are hanging around with every team they they play with the exception of one. Arthur Smith has done an amazing job with this team. This is a bad roster. He has no talent. He has no quarterback, obviously just been over this and uh yeah and he's managing to make all this stuff work don't know how but he's doing it and and you want to put him on a hot seat man that's dumb stuff bro be better just be a little bit better speaking of being a little bit better uh the hawks were a little bit better over the weekend uh their game in charlotte um and the game script for the Hawks becomes pretty simple. And again, I'll say it out loud and you need to go, duh, yeah. Well, look, the Hawks in that game shot 54% from the field, 52% from three. Trey Young was 8 of 18, didn't have a bad shooting night. He scored 31 points. And also, yeah, oh, by the way, you know, from three, he was 2 of 5 instead of like, you know, 1 of 7 like he's been – at certain points this night, this year. The game script is simple. The Hawks have to shoot really well because at this point with the lineup that they're putting out there, they're not going to play any defense, period. You have no John Collins. You have no Clint Capella. You have no DeJounte Murray. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a really simple formula for the Hawks going forward. Now, they're going to play Orlando again tonight uh, at home. Let's see what happens. I'm not sure that they um, are, 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 you know, they are, are in a position where we're going to see some level of consistency out of them due to the injuries. But, again, you're, you're a team that's sitting at 500. Um, and you're going to, in two weeks, you're going to hit a really rough stretch out west. It's not going to be a fun run for the Hawks here going forward without their best complement of players. Somehow, somehow, I think this should be the new moving of the goalposts and the new pivot right now to where they are. Until they get their entire team back, until they get healthy again, um, which might not be until the middle of January, just stay at 500. If they end up at 500, by the time they get done with their West Coast swing, um, and, and we turn to, you know, in, in L.A. on January 8th, if they're still at 500 or a game below, I'd take that as a win. 
I'd take that as a win. Given the next 10 games that they got to play, I'd t- if they end up five and five, take it. Take it. End up three and seven, even though it's only two games different. Let me know what that feels like to you. As you watch all these other teams start to round into form right now, because really, when, when does the light switch get flipped on? In about a week when we hit Christmas. And this is the, the issue with where the Hawks, Hawks are right now. Can they still survive and come out of this thing? Yeah, they can. But, you know, this doesn't look like a team right now that is meant for anything other than the playing tournament again. Now, they'll get healthy. Things should change. But, you know, it's not going to be easy. One more note here uh, as we put a bow on things. Um, you know, it is very much a, a constant frustration to watch NFL games and watch officials botch this thing week in and week out. What happened twice last night in the Commanders-Giants game to Washington, I'm a Giants fan, okay? What happened twice to the Commanders was such BS. It was, they got ripped off not, probably on three different occasions. On three different occasions, they got a bad uh, offensive pass interference penalty call on what you know is that pick play, which is a terrible rule needs to get changed. They got a bad call on an illegal procedure for a touchdown, and then on the very last play of the game, there was a no call on what was one of the worst non-defensive pass interference calls I've seen in a really long time. Stuff needs to get cleaned up. It's bad. It's awful, and it, it's it's just very very frustrating to watch a game when you have that kind of stuff going on into it. Now, I know what you're all going to say. Is I know you probably had money in the game, and that's why you're upset. Uh, you, you wouldn't be wrong. But that doesn't change the point. That doesn't change the point. Objectively, if you watch that game, you realize very objectively that guess what? That's, that, uh, this is who they are. This is who the NFL is. And I believe that these are things that sort of take away from the integrity of the game. And it's time to make all penalties reviewable. It is absolutely, I've said it a million times before, you should be able to use a challenge flag to review anything. That last minute, and we need to get rid of the inside two-minute booth-only stuff too while we're at it. But any one of those things should have been like, I'm going to throw a challenge flag. I want that looked at. I, I don't understand why this is such a problem for the NFL. Review it and get the, anybody who saw the replay of that final game, of that final play last night on Sunday Night Football, knows that that was defensive pass interference. Everybody on the Giants knows that that was defensive pass interference. It was an awful non-call, and it changed the game. And again, did that get, does that get called in the third quarter? Absolutely it does. Because that was theoretically the last play of the game right there, eh, stuff the flags in the pocket. Bad way to do business. Bad way to do business overall. And, and we've seen it happen. Listen, it's cost teams playoff games. You know, it, it, it's just you cannot have these crews allow this stuff to happen. And people are, oh, the game's going to take too long to get out. Take the damn thing right. Get the thing right. The number of times it doesn't happen and the game isn't that long or outweighed it's the number of times that the game is that long. For me, at least. All right. Enough of my complaining about the rest. That'll do it for us here today on ADZ. Uh, I will be on 92.9 all week long. Um, going in for uh, Mike Bell and uh, Carl Duke. So give me a check out there. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Zeno. Again, make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
And as well, I want to remind you guys uh, that uh, you should check out Locked On Falcons. Make it your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's all available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Back tomorrow for another edition of A to Z. Again, happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. This is uh, Mark Zeno, A to Z. Have a great day. Don't take a crap. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.